0: you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kids' podcast about current events hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kids' company about.
1: Good evening, everyone. I'm Tracy Diamond from the Enoch Pratt Free Library, and welcome to the Enoch Pratt Free Library Children's Stage at the Baltimore Book Festival. It's such a special event for the entire city and for book lovers across the state. We have hundreds of authors.
0: Live from the Baltimore Book Festival on another beautiful day in the Inner Harbor, this is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 471. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by Bridget Kemmerer, author of More Than We Can Tell, and Nisha Sharma, author of My So-Called Bollywood Life. More Than We Can Tell centers on the separate, but soon intertwining lives of two teens, one growing up in a foster home, and the other the creator of an online MMO, first-person shooter. In my so-called Bollywood life, the protagonist wrestles with futures, both the ones that are predicted, the ones we plan out for ourselves, and also the ones that just happen to us when we allow life to follow its course. Before we get into it, thank you to our sponsors, Gallery Nucleus and Storyteller Academy, The Highlights Foundation, and Viz Media for helping make today's episode possible. Thanks also to the support of the Enoch Pratt Free Library, who made this conversation happen. And now, please welcome my guests, Bridget Kemmerer, author of More Than We Can Tell, and Nisha Sharma, author of My So-Called Bollywood Life. Thank you, Tracy. Uh, so as said, my name is Matthew. I'm the host of the Children's Book Podcast, podcast that has been running for about five years now um, that features authors, illustrators, award winners, everyone in between, everyone in publishing, uh, talking about the stories behind the books. I feel like when we get to know the people and the stories behind those books, we can love those books more intimately. Uh, and we know that those relationships with books are things that children carry throughout their entire life. So welcome, Nisha. Welcome, Bridget.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining me today. Um, Why don't we start off uh, with introductions to your book. For those in the audience that maybe have not read your book yet, uh, and before I start gabbing about it, uh, Nisha, would you mind introducing my so-called Bollywood life?
2: I would love to. Um, So my so-called Bollywood life is a young adult romance, and uh, it's about um, a New Jersey teen who is obsessed with Bollywood movies. And she was given this prophecy when she was young that she'd find the man of her dreams and his name started with the letter R. And she thinks she's found him, but then he cheats on her before the summer, before their senior year. And she's now at this crossroads where she doesn't know if um, destiny is real or if she has uh, any say in her future. So she kind of has uses Bollywood movies as a way to help um, make her life decisions and figure out the difference between free will and destiny. And, of course, a Bollywood actor comes in her dreams and gives her some life advice along the way.
0: I should say, too, uh, from, from my reading of it, it felt an awful lot like Acts 1 and 2 of this book. I was reading a Bollywood story, and then suddenly, Act 3, things go nuts. And uh, there's an incident involving a locker and some money, and it's wild. So... Kudos to you. It's a great Thank story. You. <laughs> uh, Bridget, do you mind introducing More Than We Can Tell?
1: Sure. Oh. Um, so, More Than We Can Tell is my eighth novel. It's a, a young adult contemporary story, so there's nothing paranormal. Um, it is a book about uh, two characters. Emma, a girl who has created a computer game... Uh, Secretly, and has hidden this from her parents. So she has created this online game, and she starts receiving these hateful messages from a troll in the game. Uh, And she's really not sure how to handle these messages. She can't confide in her parents because uh, they don't know about the game, and she doesn't want to get in trouble with them. So one night, she's so upset by one of these messages that she decides to go for a walk. And she runs into a young man named Rev, and Rev has a really uh, terrible past where he was severely abused as a child, but he was rescued and placed into foster care and was adopted by these loving parents. But the week after he turns 18, he starts getting uh, messages from his birth father wanting to reconnect, and Rev doesn't know how to handle that. So Rev and Emma run into each other while they're out walking, and they end up confiding in each other about these messages that they're receiving, and they try to help each other figure out how to deal with it and end up getting in over their head a little bit
0: i feel like you're leaving out so much (laughs) because rev's dad was a pastor and was doing these awful awful things to him he walks around in a hoodie and long sleeves all the time to hide something that we don't know what it is this is a story a lot about concealing but a lot about trusting as well um I think I just wanted to tell you that that I really was like, oh my God! Wait, I should tell. I should say this. Do you know what trolling is? For those that may not know what trolling is, and that's okay for you not to know. Uh, trolling is an online act of of hate, of discrimination, of, of of just being unkind for the sake of being unkind. But you're hidden behind the veil of 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 you know anonymity online. So someone starts ragging on her about her game and saying these awful, awful things about her. Um, but we don't know who it is. Um, and neither does she. And when trolls happen on Facebook, as they do, even that, that's probably the place where you see them, or Twitter. Um, the thing you don't do with trolls is you don't give them power. And poor girl, she struggles with not giving this kid power. Huh. OK, we need to move on. I'm going to need a moment. <laughs> uh, it's good. You both have written such beautiful books, and they're, they're different. I wonder, going into this, Nisha, I'll start with you. Going into this story, this is your debut, correct? It is. So, beautiful debut. Thank um, you. I wonder also, actually, is this the first book that you wrote? Often we find out that authors have been working on a number of different books, or that this has been the story that's always been on their heart. Where does this book fall for you?
2: So, I've always, I've been writing since I was a kid. Um, I used to write Nancy Drew fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> for real Nancy Drew fan fiction do you still have copies I, of it somewhere I still have it somewhere I was convinced that Ned Hardy was just awful and or Ned was awful and Frank Hardy was her true love because Nancy Drew and Frank Hardy had like crossover series, like the Hardy Boys and the Nancy Drew series had crossovers. (laughs) And I was convinced that Nancy and Frank belonged together. So I started writing then. And then I actually um, wrote two young adult novels before my so-called Bollywood life. And they didn't sell because I was, I think like I wrote one in college and one in law school. And then finally, um, I wrote adult romance, and that actually did well. Um, I don't know how, because when you look back at your older stuff, sometimes you're like, what was this? And that's kind of how I feel about those now. Whenever people bring them up, they're like, oh, you used to write those cowboy romances. And I did. I wrote cowboy romances. And it paid my rent. So I am I should not be ashamed. But honestly, I am a little bit. And um, then I wrote my so-called Bollywood life as part of my MFA thesis. And that was like the first young adult book that really got traction. So
0: the question I wanted to pose to both of you is, uh, and specifically here for my so-called Bollywood life, is where did this story come from for you? Were you thinking of a reader first? Were you thinking of yourself first? Or did, did you... Meet this character in your mind first and then decide to tell her story, Winnie's story.
2: Um, so when I uh, started pulling together the concept of my so-called Bollywood life, um, I I had come to the realization that there wasn't a lot of uh, South Asian fiction that was published that truly represented uh, different... Viewpoints of the way that South Asians in America live today. Um, a lot of the times what you would see is a um, South Asian character who represented the future and the parents who represented uh, tradition. And the parents and the main character would always be butting up against each other. And what I wanted to do is write a book that didn't really revolve around the concept of identity. Um, the main character loved who she was, she loved being Indian, she was happy with who she was, but her problems lay elsewhere, and her culture and her background was just added texture to the story. Um, so that's that's kind of the foundation for my so-called Bollywood life. I was living in New Jersey at the time, and New Jersey has such a huge Indian population that I wanted to bring that into the book as well, and Bollywood is awesome. <laughs> So why not write about it? So that's that's how the story came about. It does
0: feel like it feels like a love letter to Bollywood film in the book. But I also (laughs) love the the way you're writing about family in this book because it is it is a kid who gets ragged on by her parents, but she even I, I think in her own words says at some point in the story, they're the greatest parents ever. I have the greatest parents ever.
2: It, yeah they're like my parents the the parents oh. in the book are definitely like my parents who are always busting my chops huh? always about everything the book is dedicated to my mother and she's yet to read it which is like also annoys me <laughs> to no end and she's like when you write something that actually starts winning awards I'll read it no. like, <laughs> this is, like this is like my mother <laughs> so <laughs> that is so they are really based on you know my family, like, as they are today. Um,
1: Bridget,
0: follow-up question. Has your mom ever read your books?
1: So, just, I hate to break it to you, but my mom has only read one of my eight novels. Of your eight? So. <laughs> okay, so. So, so I okay. actually trolled my mother in the ah! acknowledgments for my next book because I copied the exact same acknowledgments paragraph. And I was like, Mom, if you spot this, I will buy you dinner. So let's see. We'll see.
0: Oh, it's okay. <laughs> oh, <that's> amazing. Well, <laughs> on that note, let me talk to you about uh, More Than We Can Tell. Did, did did, did again, the story come from, this is your eighth book, but is it an idea that you've been holding on to? Is it that you saw these characters first? Maybe you saw something in your readers? What did the inspiration look like for you on that?
1: So More Than We Can Tell uh, followed another book that I had written called Letters to the Lost, and my main character, Rev, um, in, in more than we can tell, he was actually the best friend of Declan, who is the main character in Letters to the Lost. And from the instant he appeared on the page in Letters to the Lost, I knew that I wanted to write his story. Um, he really kind of leapt into my brain fully formed. Um, and I knew, I knew what I, I knew I wanted to have the opportunity to tell his story, um, my publisher wasn't initially on board. You know, sometimes, especially with contemporary novels, they don't want anything that feels like a sequel, because sometimes people can um, don't necessarily want to go with a series with contemporary. Um, but it's not it's not really a series. They're they're two completely separate stories. Um, and Revs Rev just had such a tortured past that um, at the time I wanted to explore that. And then once I started doing that and talking to psychologists and what kind of um, things could happen to a kid, you know, a teenager who has survived such childhood trauma, um, it was really kind of devastating to research it. It,
0: uh, it, it. it, on a lot of different accounts, is a devastating novel. There's, it's, it's, there's a lot of really real moments that feel like you had a, a strong grasp. I'm intuiting, whether from research or from knowing people, it just felt like you were, you were drawing from some, some real through lines to, to make this story. Um, the story's told in two voices... Uh, in the audiobook, I r- listened to the audiobook is likewise uh, two different voices um, and I was I was surprised or taken back to, to, to notice how much I felt like I was guessing at how these two characters were going to meet but that y- you managed to sustain that, that guessing the entire story so I wonder if you knew I'm trying real hard not to spoil this book for you listen y'all I'm struggling. There's some stuff we got to talk about. If you've read this book, we're gonna talk after this. But um, I-, I wonder if you knew the arc of this story going in. And Nisha, I'm gonna turn this back to you as well. If, if going in to write this story, you knew the arc before putting pen to paper, or if uh, the story revealed itself to you through the writing process.
1: So i don't feel like it's spoiling too much to say that rev does eventually have a confrontation with his father and emma does eventually have a confrontation with the troll um and i knew how you know what yes i knew how both of those confrontations were going to take place um it's sometimes it's harder to write when i know what the resolution is going to be because i just want to get there so badly i really want that scene to happen um Because, I mean, I think, you know, as a writer and as readers, we all kind of crave that conflict. You know, we want to get to that point and make it happen.
0: Same thing. uh, In my so-called Bollywood life, did you know the story? Did you have an idea of where this was going to go, where you were going to take Winnie through this story? Or did you find that through writing it?
2: So um, when I started the story, I really did kind of mirror it off the structure of a Bollywood movie. Yeah. And um, for those of you who haven't seen a Bollywood movie, it's a very long film. Usually the average is three hours. Uh, first ha- half is like people falling in love. And the second half is people t- trying to keep them apart. And in the book, I I kind of wanted to do the same. So... Um, the second half which is like with the locker incident and everything is I, I had an idea of what I wanted to do there already okay. um, and then it kind of just unraveled as I wrote it
0: I'm hearing both talking about controlling about pace and not getting there too soon but really allowing the reader to, to revel in things falling apart and what that means for your life um, there were some circumstances in your book Bridget where I felt like I hope not many children have lived through this, but good for them to be able to see what this might be like for some people, almost not to be a cautionary tale or something, but just to be careful, to protect yourself when you're online or when you're considering who to trust, things like that. And I I feel like with yours, Nisha, um, so much of it felt like uh, looking inward as well on what we really think our future will be for ourselves, where, where we see our trajectory leading us. Um, I wonder if you both... I wonder how your childhoods were, um, if you're writing out of a sense of trying to provide safety for your readers that, that you, it sounds like Nisha, experienced growing up, so you're sharing that back with your readers, or um, just what sort of awareness of the world you're writing from. That was awfully worded. I'm sorry.
2: No, no, I, I, think I, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down. I owe you. Uh, so, um, when, when I wrote the story, my so-called Bollywood life, I was, I was reflecting on my own childhood at the time, which was incredibly safe. Um, I spent most of it studying, like a good Indian daughter, and I spent most of it just, you know, I was like applying for colleges when I was like a freshman in high school, because like that's what you do when you're a good Indian daughter, and. Um, I think that with my so-called Bollywood life, I, I wanted that safety, like that sense of security, but I also wanted to make sure that my readers were, like, aware that sometimes things don't go according to plan and sometimes life just blows up and you have to kind of go with that as well. So that's where I was coming from.
0: I like, too, the notion that sometimes there seems to be a plan, but we don't need to prescribe to it or feel like things are already decided for us. We have a bit more autonomy. Even if we get excited about having that autonomy, but then sort of realize, I kind of wish there was a plan. Um, providing that safe space in that book, I think, felt really comforting. You do mean things to your... you. I'm sorry, Bridget. I have to just keep looking at you with eyebrows, because you do mean things to your characters. You see them through. But poor Emma has... Has... Uh, uh, her family is breaking up. We see right from the get-go that her dad is always on the computer, and it's really this point of pride that, like, dad codes games, and so do I, and mom is just on us all the time for stuff, and now they're breaking up. And Rev going through, feeling like I feel so grateful that I have this stability. Not only is my birth father contacting me, but also you're adding a new kid. Matthew comes into this mix. There's a new kid and the family, and, and, and things just change. So, again, I wonder, because you're playing so much with, with change, what life looked like for you, and if it's reflecting in the book or that you're protecting in the book.
1: So, um, you know, when I grew up, I had two really very loving parents. I was adopted, um, you know, which, which I knew all along, but I had very loving parents um, who were very much like, really a lot like what Rev's adoptive parents were. Um, This is a really loud microphone now. Um, And, you know, I just... This is going to make me sound like a sociopath, but I just really like to torture my characters. And, um, you know, I I do. You know, I, I try to put my characters in as bad a situation as I can possibly think of. And then once they're there, I'm like, okay, how can I make this a little worse? And then once it's a little worse, I'm like, no, you're not done yet. How can we make this even worse? Um until until it feels like it's going to start to break me. Um, because I, I really, do you know, as a writer, I like really getting into the, the heart and the meat of the human condition and what it means to be human. Uh, and, I, and I don't know that you can quite get there all the time unless you push people to their breaking point. And that's, you know, with both Rev and Emma, I wanted to push them there.
0: I'm, I'm grateful that you pushed them there, but that you still protect them. That I feel like the... One of the most beautiful things in children's literature for elementary or or YA, wherever we're talking, is that there is that sense of hope. There is that sense that that the reader has a stake in this and that you are protecting the reader as well as your characters, that we can trust you, that you're going to care for us because now I'm seeing myself in your story, so I need to know that I'm going to be okay too, speaking from your reader's voice. So I'm, I'm grateful to you both for taking care of your characters. This would've gone very differently. <laughs> no, um, I, um, in the interest of time, and in the interest of making sure that you have time to ask questions as well, um, I wanna ask you sort of a, 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 a question meant to elicit just what you want to have heard about your stories. Um, Nisha, is there anything that we didn't talk about today, but one that you want all of us to be able to carry out to make sure that we know about your story, to make sure these readers know. We have a lot of librarians in the audience. We have a lot of parents in the audience. Um, and and being able to, to know not just about characters or how you write, but whatever we missed that you want to make sure you, you have a chance to share today. You've got the microphone. What would you like to share with everyone?
2: Um, I think it's important to, um, to kind of share that my so-called Bollywood life may have South Asian characters in it, but the... The themes are universal. Um, I feel like some of the feedback I've gotten from even, like, teachers and librarians are, is this only for South Asian kids? And that's not the case. It's definitely not the case. The story is really a love story. And um, I feel like anyone can connect with it. And... um, you know, I've connected with non-diverse stories my entire life. I'm sure that it's possible that other people can do the same. So um, I just I, I think that's important. And if you're a Bollywood novice, there's a whole um, directory. Like there's a guidebook in the back of the novel of all the Bollywood movies that are referenced in the book. So if anyone wants to, I've actually had that's, a, that's the best part of the book is I've had readers like reach out to me and be like, FYI, um, you know, I've gone through the whole. I've gone through the whole directory wow. and watched all the movies. That's yeah, awesome. so like that's a, like a
0: reading list. But you're going yeah. through. What's the one movie we need to watch? What's a Bollywood movie? No pro I didn't ask you this ahead of time. Now I'm asking you to think of something that you might not have prepared for. But do you have like a one movie that if people are going to start at Bollywood, where where do people start?
2: Where would people start? So. Um, that is a very good movie, and it kind of depends on what you want to watch. Right. Um, but I would start with all the five-star movies that are in the oh, book. Oh, that's right. <laughs> there we go. Well done, Winnie. Way to, way to review. All the five stars. Uh, Bridget,
0: what, and, and all that we did talk about today, what didn't we have a chance to cover in this short time that you want to make sure your readers uh, hear?
1: This is such a hard question, Matthew. Um, i you know, sorry. really.
0: That's why I'm giving it to you. <laughs> no, I...
1: No, I, uh, you know, my, my books do deal with a lot of a lot of heavier topics, um, but I, I love what you had to say about hope. Yeah. You know, I try to make sure all of my books end with that element of hope. You know, I do, I write for teenagers. I know a, a lot of adults also enjoy my books, um, but I think that teenagers, especially right now, should be able to, yeah. you know, go through something really dark in a safe way through fiction uh, and come out at the end and realize that it can be okay.
0: Yeah, I'm... I'm grateful that you provide that. I'm grateful to you both for doing that. Um, I always wrap up the podcast with uh, this traditional question, and then I'm going to have you go as well um, because I want to give away some books, and I want you to read these books if you haven't read them yet and give them to more readers to read them. And the way I end this, Nisha, is I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning, Monday morning. Is there a message to your readers that I can bring to them from you?
2: You always have a choice. Yes.
0: Bridget, same question. We'll see a library full of children... Monday morning, is there a message I can bring to your readers from you? Be kind. On that note, I, I, I think uh, you've got two really warm, loving, kind, generous folks up here with me. Um, if you have questions from either of these stories about writing, about anything at all, we already talked about Bollywood, um, please uh, raise your hand, share. I'd love to give out some books and I'd love to get your voice. And I'm really good at wait time because I'm a teacher. <laughs>
3: Hi. Hello, ladies. What is your
0: most valuable thing that you can think of about writing for, for teens? If
1: you that Way to start with an easy one. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> I'm going to pass that to you first. Oh, okay. So the most valuable thing about writing for teenagers? I, I mean, I really do think it's about giving teens an opportunity to see uh, people or see situations uh, that they might not be able to see in their own lives, whether that's, you know, talking about, you know, meeting somebody, you know, from South Asia or meeting somebody who's in a situation that they might not ever experience in a completely safe way.
2: I think for me, um, writing for teens, like, you give... You're able to have unlimited possibilities cuz i think like teens can push boundaries in terms of you know what they want out of life so like that's what i like to give them like unlimited possibilities through my books so you know i don't like dig a hole in your parents backyard and bury your ex-boyfriend's bollywood movies yeah. <laughs> that is not the possibility that i was going for but you know that's that's i think my favorite part about writing for teens
0: great Another question. Anybody have a question? Here I come.
4: Hello, both of you. My question is for Nisha. Because uh, reading your book, seeing such an important part of myself represented in a mainstream novel was great. I can't describe that feeling. I laughed so much. I read it twice, back to back. So I have a couple of questions. One is, because I saw so much of myself in Winnie, how much does your personality reflect in her character? And the next one is, did you actually go watch all those movies to write those reviews, and especially reinterpreting those iconic Hindi dialogues into English for her dreams? I mean that was the best part.
2: So how did you do that? <laughs> Thank you. Um, so to answer the first question, there is a lot of me in Winnie. Um, I have. I feel like I have a big personality, and my main character has a relatively big personality. Um, I feel like Winnie is a lot more fearless than I am, though. I wouldn't do half the things that she did, um, especially when I was a teenager. Because as the model South Asian, you know, daughter, I was. I was always studying, um, and. <laughs> I was. And uh, to answer the second question, um, I did. I watched every single movie, again, that was... There's 75 Bollywood movies that are referenced in the book, and I watched all of them again. And uh, those dialogues that... Like, the dialogues that are referenced from the movies that kind of uh, appear in the book, a lot of them are ones that... I hear, I've heard my family repeat at, like, holiday parties and holiday gatherings. So, like, I've just, they've always been a part of, you know, my life. So, um, I think that they were the easiest part to put in the book. I didn't really have to go searching for them. I love
0: that you worked your family in that way, too.
2: (laughs) They're nuts.
4: (laughs) When I was reading those dialogues in English in the book, I could actually hear the movie dialogue in Hindi going around in my head. So, that was pretty cool.
3: Thank you.
0: Well done, you. I got two more questions. Let me come here and then there.
3: Anisha, this is for you uh, as well. Um, number one, has Shah
2: Rukh gotten a copy of the book yet so he can know that he's in there? He has that a copy of my book. Has he given you a he review? has. So I sold movie rights. And I know you did. I'm like Thank so excited. You. Thank you. So uh, he has received a copy to consider whether or not doing a guest spot, but... I don't know if the movie's even going to happen, guys, but I'm just excited that he has it. And the the question is, I know um, I sympathize with you about being the studious Indian daughter and studying. I'm South Asian, so no. (laughs) But how did you go from law school, I think you said something about that, to wanting to write a book? And
1: did your family, were you okay? Because I write poetry and my parents are like, what is that? Why are
2: you doing that? You're a pharmacist. Why are you doing that? So... (laughs) So, um, my, my parents weren't even happy with law school. Um, (laughs) my dad is 13th generation physician. So we have 13 generations of physicians. My siblings are like also professionals, and I chose law because I I can't stand the sight of blood, Um, so that was the other option, and um, I've always written, so I wrote through law school, I wrote through undergrad, my parents always knew that I wanted to write, Um, so I think by the time I got established in my career, and I sold my book, my parents are like, okay, at least you got the, that part done like you can do whatever you want now <laughs> so they were okay with it in the end they were okay with it and now they're really supportive like they've they've always kind of supported my passions but as long as i have a job i think that they're, they are they're happy a job.
0: a job and an award <laughs> <laughs> you need those two things
2: yeah I, this question is for you also nisha it's wonderful that your central theme will relate to everyone because again in life central themes kind of relate to all but for those who are not all that familiar with Indian culture, does your culture come out in the book so that we can learn a little bit more about the Indian culture through your characters? Um, I think it does. Um, the the characters, um the, the main character spends a lot of time with her family. Like, so in the family settings, you see a lot of interaction on how um, the grandmother and the mother interact and how those relationships are. The mother and the daughter interact. There's a prayer service that they have at the house. So I kind of walk through on how, um, what's called a durga puja. So I walk through that and how people um, who have these prayer services in their house, how it is a, an ordeal. To have it and so I have that you know explained in the story as well so um, I do try to bring in as much of uh, my view of culture into the book as possible but I really want to caution readers to um, to know that you know this is just uh, my view of the way that I grew up as a South Asian but um, culture is not uh, you know it's not one narrative and um, my story is just one of many And um, that's just one side of, you know, South Asian culture that I wanted to show.
0: Excellent. Oh, my goodness. Going to the other side. Tracy, how am I doing on time? We're good? We're good. You're doing great. You're both killing it.
3: What's your book about?
0: You want to hear what both books are about? Did you get to see the covers? Bridget, can you start? I'm going to walk the covers over to him. What are your books about?
1: Sure. So the the top one, the blue one, More Than We Can Tell, is about a gamer girl who's trying to deal with a boy online who is harassing her, and she doesn't know how to deal with it, and she doesn't want to tell her parents, so she goes for a walk um, to try to figure it out, and she meets a boy named Rev who has started getting letters um, from the father that he was able to escape from when he was a child, and he doesn't know how to deal with these letters. So he and the girl kind of meet up and talk
2: about what's happening and try to figure it out.
0: Nice. Nisha?
2: And my book is about a girl who loves Bollywood movies who has to figure out whether or not um, she has a choice in who she wants to end up with or if her future is planned out for her.
0: Do me a favor. Tell Bridget, uh, what's your favorite video game if you play video games? Fortnite. Fortnite. (laughs) Um, Tell Nisha, what's your favorite movie?
3: Mission
4: Impossible. Nice. That's a good one. What is choice?
0: Mission Impossible. Nice. Come on now. Good stuff. Whoever's raising you, they're doing a great job. <laughs> uh, clearly, I judge by I judge by movies and video games. <laughs> Awful.
3: Hi. Hi. This question is for both of you. Um, you're both uh, obviously accomplished and published writers. Do you have a regular set time that you dedicate to writing during the day, or do you go from book to book? or multiple books at one time in order to complete a story?
1: So I can't write more than one book at a time. I can draft one and edit another. Um, I used to, so I write full time now. Um, And I used to say, okay, I'm going to write for three hours a day, and that's just my writing time. But what I found out is that I would just slack off for two and a half hours and then try to write for 30 minutes. Um, So now I, I aim more for a word count every day, and I try to write 1,500 words a day.
2: Um, so I have a, a full-time job, and sometimes that full-time job goes into 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week. Oh, wow. Kind of depends on what's happening. So um, a lot of the times I will just write on my phone whenever I have a chance to, whether it's like laying in bed at 4:30 in the morning, right before I get up, or it's late at night, or it's under a conference room table, please no one tweet that <laughs> in case my boss reads my Twitter. <laughs> um, but I usually can only write one book at a time and edit... Uh, I can edit another book at the same time, but I can't draft two different stories.
0: All right, I have a final question, and then we're going to give away copies of the books, and then uh, both Bridget and Nisha are available for signing, and you can purchase books over at Red Canoe. So.
3: Hi, this is for Bridget. i so... I know a lot of people ask
1: about if there's going to be a book three to the letters of the lost, more than we can tell. I know people want a book about Matthew. Is that something you're so, interested in? <laughs> so I I will say probably the most common email I get after people read more than we can tell is, is there going to be a book about Matthew? Uh, I did not realize. Matthew ends up being uh, Rev's foster brother in the book. Um... And I did not anticipate that kind of response. I would love to write a book about Matthew. Right now, I have too many other projects under contract, which is a great problem to have, Uh, but maybe one day.
0: Excellent, excellent. So we have two uh, books to give away, and so I'm going to let you be judges, and I'm going to give them a task to be judged on. So, (laughs) Um, uh, you know, Nisha said mom hasn't read her book yet because it doesn't have any awards. So name the award for Nisha's book so that her mom will read it. Come on, creative types. What shall we call the award? They didn't expect I was going into this. Bam, Fortnite kid has an idea.
3: The Newberry Award.
0: Whoa, I I'll mean, you could call Newbery. it the Newberry Award. <laughs> well done, wow. Uh, good luck topping that, but go ahead, raise your hand. I'm gonna let you judge. Anybody else got, got an idea? Mom, please read this award was all I got. Mine was pathetic. All right. Want a copy of the book? Make sure you get it signed. Right on? Congratulations. Yay! Yay. Oh, you're ready for this, right? (laughs) You know I'm going for it. Um, Poor Bridget said that um, she has to troll her mom to see if mom actually reads the books. So um, what trolling text message can we send to Bridget's mom to get her to read more than we can tell? You write You write kind of pushy text messages to your mom does I'm not the only one stop it. <laughs> stop it. Mom, if you really love me, I know I'm your favorite kid, read my book.
1: If you read the book, I'll come to Thanksgiving. I'll come to Thanksgiving. <laughs> I will. I I have to cook her dinner for Thanksgiving, but that that was <laughs>
0: That's good. I but like that. that. <laughs> Anybody else got a comment for mom? <laughs> I'll come to Thanksgiving. Things I never told you are in this book. Oh. That? I didn't she said things I never told you are in this book.
1: <laughs> I, I, f- I feel like that's going to be hard to top. So <laughs> All done.
0: <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you on behalf of Enoch Pratt Free Library, uh, on behalf of the Children's Book Podcast, on behalf of Good Books for Teens and everyone. Thanks for joining us. Hope you have a great day.
3: Thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank you. This is Dershna Kiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash. South Asian kidlet. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Pottington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed.
0: Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons. Those folks who are supporting the podcast and helping keep the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshana, Marianne, Jarrett. Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Lara, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to join us. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater.